Hey guys, it's Robert Gardner on the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. I have Kevin Wood here today. We're going to talk about, I believe, a private practice for massage therapists, especially post-pandemic. Uh, Kevin is one of our Reboot Insiders Club and subscribers. Uh, we were having a conversation about business after the pandemic. And did you want to introduce yourself, Kevin? Hey, I'm Kevin. I've been a massage therapist about seven years. I think I've been a subscriber to uh, Reboot Insiders for probably about two and a half, three years now. Yeah. Been uh, implementing a lot of the table work in various spa settings and then tried to in my own private practice as well. Yeah. How did, um, because you were talking about the, uh, the pandemic and I was asking about how business was, was going after the pandemic. Can you talk a little bit about your experience of that? Uh, for me, my private practice was never all that thriving, but after the pandemic, I wasn't able to recover even probably a quarter of uh, regular clients that I had before then. It seemed like, uh, you know, interest in massage and body work in general just really fell off with the fear and all the regulations and everything else that kind of surrounded it. Yeah. Um. Are you, so like before the pandemic, how much of your business was private practice and how much was working for someone else? I was a private practice about three or four days a week and then I was doing two or three days moonlighting in a spa as well. Uh, so okay. about, about half and half. And then right now, what's the, the ratio? Right now I have no private practice. I closed in August in uh, the beginning of April because I couldn't justify paying rent anymore. I was breaking yeah. even every month, maybe a hundred dollar profit. Oof. Wow. How much was your rent? If you don't mind my asking. It was only, it was $400 a month for a room inside a salon. Yeah. All right. Man. Yeah. It's, it's a rough, Oh, it's a rough situation. I, I noticed a pretty wide difference from student to student or from the massage therapist I talk with about their experience in private practice, anything from they're stressed out, they're booked out three months to they had to shut down their private practice. It's been all over the map. In the 20 years that I've been in the massage industry, I don't think I've seen anything even close to what COVID did to the industry. Yeah, it's uh, probably a once in a lifetime thing we'll see. Uh, we hope. <laughs> yeah. Um, for you, when you're, you know, working on building uh, your practice, are you planning on reopening private practice or doing out calls? Like, how does that work for you? Uh, eventually, I have a room in my house. I think I kind of want to uh, turn into just my own little massage studio. That way I won't run into the worries of overhead and things like yeah. that. Since it's something I'm already paying for. Yeah. Uh, what state are you in? I'm in New York. In New York, okay. Uh, each state has like d uh, different rules. I, I believe that there was a, I think it's a home-based body workers group here on Facebook. And the admin contacted me and wanted to do like a, an interview slash podcast. And it's part of my challenge with uh, regulation state to state because different states have different rules. And then in addition, when you go to a home-based practice, even different cities, counties have different rules. There's homeowners associations about and, yeah, yeah, about whether you can run a home-based business. And then I go, 
okay, so technically I'm doing a podcast and I'm in my apartment. Is this running a business out of my apartment? Like right. nobody, nobody seems to answer these questions for me. Like I, t I teach on the internet. So if I'm using cameras and I'm in my living room, like, is that a home? You know what I mean? It's like you get to yeah. these weird lines because even the tech industry in Austin, I think, was fighting um, pre-COVID at least. They were fighting workers who just wanted to work from home. But then during COVID, they were almost forced. And then a lot of them, when they started to see what was happening, they went, oh, we're paying all this money in rent and we can, we can just get rid of this office space. We don't need this. This right. is like massive real estate overhead that's not necessary for the sort of tech business that we're running. So it's, it's shifted that, that conversation massively. I'm a big fan of if therapists choose to have a home-based practice that they try that because it cuts overhead and it allows you to experiment more. Right. I think uh, one of the big problems I ran into as well is I'm uh, the county in New York I'm in is probably in the top 10 poorest counties in the state. Yeah. So a lot of uh, people don't have disposable income to spend on things like massage. Yeah. And it's, it's so, you know, it, it's so variable based on where you live. Uh, my situation in Austin is there's 1.6 million people in the greater Austin area. There's now, especially post-pandemic, there's likely not enough massage therapists to fill demand. Right. Whereas, like, the county I'm in, we have a population of maybe 120,000 people. Yeah. It, it's still plenty. You only need... Let's figure that out real quick. So there's 120,000 people... And then let's see, what's 1%? Is that 0 0.001 or is that 0 0.001? I think that's 0 0.001. Yeah, so uh, 1% or 0.1%, whichever it is, is 120 people. Right. 120 people is like completely doable, even in a smaller town. And again, you're dealing with 120,000. I'm dealing with 1.6 million. Like, it's, yeah. it's just like, you know, there's, there's plenty of potential uh, clients out there. You just have to reach out to the people that you really want to work with. And as far as fees are concerned, you just have to work it out, get the clients in, get them on a regular schedule. It was also something that for me, uh, because I focused on chronic pain, people in chronic pain need the work and they need it regularly. So it was an easier sell for me than just doing spa-based like relaxation treatments. Right. Which that that's what I was focusing on more in my private practice was trying to get people that were, you know, chronic pain or recovering from injuries, that type of then I didn't do too much marketing and I still had a lot of people who just call me trying to get like relaxation massage or Yeah. And I'll, I'll do that as well. I mean, we have, we have bills to pay. If uh, people are coming in for that specifically, I never had a problem providing it, but it wasn't really my bread and butter. And the more that I worked on people in chronic pain, the more the chronic pain people kept coming to me and writing great reviews. Uh, it started to like set my practice apart from the wider massage industry. Right. And then what do you think is... Uh, 
going to happen? You're going to have a private practice. Are you going to continue working for somebody else? Uh, probably while I build, yeah. Like you said, I've got bills to pay. I mean, got a couple kids. I'm divorced, so I've got some child support payments. And yeah. So having that consistent, steady flow of income is pretty important for me. Yeah. I'm a, a big fan if you know if you want to build your private practice, you have to you have to do boss stuff, uh, including social media and some other things to be able to build the client base. But um, I'm not going to ask what you make at the facility you work at. But do you make at least double in private practice per hour? No, nope. not even close. No, uh, maybe like a five dollar difference, ten dollar difference. So you only make a five or ten dollar difference between working for somebody else and working for yourself? Oh uh, yeah, I get fifty percent at one spot and then sixty-five percent at the other one. Oh wow. Okay. That's much, much, much higher than uh than I thought. Um how much, so, were, you, how much were you charging in private practice? I was charging uh seventy for an hour and a hundred for ninety minutes. Yeah. It's pretty standard around here. Yeah, I don't know. That's the, actually, uh, I was a little on the high side compared to a lot of other therapists around here. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind that so much. If you're, if you're doing what I teach, even if it's on a table, you should be able to help people more rapidly from a lot of the soft tissue stuff that we see in practice. Um, I don't know. I mean, if you if you look at it fiscally, even if it's sixty uh, percent, you're making forty percent more in private practice per hour. So right. it's not quite not quite double, but yeah. if you work for yourself and you get paid a hundred dollars, the hundred dollars is yours minus taxes. So right. I remember doing math in a class one time with a student because they didn't understand how to build private practice, and the students for some reason think I'm so gung ho about entrepreneurship that I don't have to pay bills, and I'm like, no, 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 They're like, dude. If I have to foster my entrepreneurial dreams by delivering pizza, I'll do it. The difference is when you start making money in private practice and focus on private practice and you keep all of it other than taxes, you're like, I just, I make more money this way. And I took a student and said, how much is, you know, let's say $100, one client a week. Okay. So you made $400 a month. Now what happens if you get two? That's $800 a month. Now what happens when you get three? And they go, that's $1,200 a month. And they're like, whoa, that $1,200 from three hours a week, which is 12 hours a month. They're like, that's more than I'm making a single paycheck from the place I work at. And I go, so how long do you have to double up until you're in a financial situation where you continue to push towards private practice? Fiscally, it works, but you have to do boss stuff. And that's right. what I see a lot of massage therapists having a major problem with because if they do something and they don't get paid by the hour, they have a very hard time justifying the time and energy put in to say making video or marketing. They're like, well, I don't make money for making videos. And I go, but you get clients if you do right. it consistently. And it's hard because you're not also probably going to be taught that in school. They're not really going to focus on that as part of the curriculum and core. Oh, yeah. For my massage school, our business section was an absolute joke. Yeah. Do you have any particular uh, challenges in your practice right now, whether it be going to private practice, how to build that, or working in a facility? 
I mean, honestly, my biggest challenge is people's conception of what massage is, because a lot of the time when I do almost any complaint I've had about a massage was related to the work that you teach. And everybody's like, it feels more like physical therapy than it does a massage. Oh, no. It feels more so, like physical therapy. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, so, so I mean, that, outside of that, like, I don't have any real hurdles. Basically, uh, when it comes to marketing stuff, I just get in my own way. I'm self-aware enough to know that I get in my own way and stop myself from doing it. Yeah. So at the facility, let's focus on that for a second, because this is this is me having a podcast with you, but this is also me doing like market research for students. So a uh, client comes in, are they on the menu of services at the facility? Are they getting like a Swedish massage? Uh, yeah, like we have a Swedish or, you know, deep tissue, just general run of the mill spa varieties. And then are they coming in, let's say the, the problem client, are they coming in with a specific issue? Or are they just getting a massage? That's probably about 50-50. Some of them come in with specific issues, other ones, you know, just and relaxation. Then, and then what's the what's the point at which they go, I don't know, it's like physical therapy. Like what like what is that interaction with the client like? Uh, I mean, it's never something that's directly told to me, which is frustrating as a therapist yourself, you know, because in your <clears throat> introduction, you're like, let me know if you're not enjoying anything, all this. And then Clients just seem to be really hesitant to give feedback, but then they'll complain to like the front desk or management. So when when they complain, did they have a specific pain related issue? And then did you help resolve some of it? Uh, I mean, at the end of the session, they say they feel good and then they go and complain after that. So. Yeah, well, it's, it's and it's the complaint because that's a feedback, regardless of whether they communicate with us or not. We, we got to yeah. tackle that. We got to figure that out. So are there instances where you're using the techniques I'm teaching on a table in a facility? Do the clients rave to the front desk and rebook? Uh, sometimes. Sometimes. And then are those people, like if you had to look at them, are they people in pain? Are they having like severe back pain or something? Uh, some of them are pain. Some of them are just like have like chronic tension type issues and yeah i had one client in my private practice she would come in weekly just for the type of work that you teach yeah because i i think a lot of it and i i try as an educator to put this together put curriculum together to be able to walk students through how i do things but there's a subtle nuance to the not not just um in body work, but there's a subtle nuance to communication. And when I when I had a client coming into a chiropractor's office, when I worked there, I was about five years. It was the last job. It was probably over eight years ago that I worked there. The clients would come in, and there's a table, and I'd say, you know, what are, what are you having problem? And they're like, oh, my upper back and my neck. And I go, cool. Take off your shoes, lay down on the table just like you are. Are you having more problems on the right side? I might, I might touch that side for them right there. It's like, is it right up here? And they're like, yeah. And I say, lay, lay down on your left side. Put that right side up. I'm going to work on that first. I'm going to move you around to see where we're going to work. Now, normally, because their expectation is to take off their clothes and get naked and I use oil, they're a little like, uh, 
well, you want me to get on the table with my clothes on? And I go, yeah, I'm just going to move you around for a second to see where we're going to work. That really sold table tie without me ever saying the word. Right. Once I started working on them and uh, doing the work, I maybe did it on that one side 10, 15 minutes. So 15 minutes out of their 45 minutes left hour session is gone. After I'd worked on that side, I'd say, okay, flip, you know, to the other side. And then I'd go, hey, do, do you want to, you know, keep doing what we're doing? Or do you want to take off your top and bra, lay down face first in a face rest for like deep tissue? And they'd go, no, this is, this is like really good. Can we just do this? And I go, sure. And then one, here's the thing. Their session was actually an hour. Because I never had to leave to have them take off their clothes. So that was right. a little bonus. Generally, the facility was doing less laundry because their clothes, I'm not using oil and staining the sheets or whatever. So yeah. it was really the verbal communication. There were clients that you could just tell just wanted the massage. And in my case, in a chiropractor's office, it was pretty obvious that they could just not see me and just book one of the other therapists to try it out in the facility. But over time, I became the fix-it guy. And based on what you've told me, my hope would be that you could possibly sell that within the facility that you're working at. Even right. having the other therapists send people to you that are having problems because they just want to do the Swedish for the relaxation. Uh, that's probably definitely options. Like the one place is just me and one other therapist. Yeah. And then uh, the other place, it's a pretty seasonal place. So summertime is an extremely busy time. We have conversations about uh, relaxation. Uh, when I talk to Chad Bolding about this, he feels like there's something missing in my marketing because I don't talk about relaxation enough. And for me, it's like massage therapists already know how to do Swedish. They already know how to do effleurage. There's no reason for me to cover that again. And he's like, yeah, but you don't talk about the fact that your work is relaxing. And I go, because me arguing about whether or not my work is relaxing is like arguing that mat-based time massage is just as relaxing or more relaxing than Swedish. Now you're just like arguing about whether Coke is better than Pepsi or something. Like, it just right. feels like, no, this is better for chronic pain and mobility. Now, I'll stand on clients in suspension. And they're snoring. They're falling asleep. But relaxation is just a byproduct of most body work. It's not something that has to be sold. And that's, that's kind of how I look at it. But I, I think the parameters for what I'm teaching long-term, especially when it's mat-based, clothes-on, suspension, three-hour sessions, even the massage community, they're very like, I don't, this is weird. I, I, we just don't understand what this guy is doing. And uh, Kristen will teach table tie, and Kristen is getting frustrated. And I'm like, what's the problem? And she's like, well, I, I can't do anything. In other words, I've set her practice free to be mat-based with suspension. She can use all of her tools. She can use her knees, feet, shins. You know, she can, she can use the rest of her body instead of putting pressure on her hands and arms. Now, right. all of a sudden, when you push her back on the table, which it took her a year to even get off of the table, like towards the mat, building that in her practice, 
now that she's teaching it, she's like, but this is, this is bullshit. Like, this is just too much work. And I go, great, Kristen, are you going to go out and tell the massage industry that the thing that they were taught in school is bullshit? That it's not as effective and it's harder on their body and it's not helping clients with chronic pain? Because if I say it, it is not received well. If you say it, you're a boss babe. The difference is the client expectations can be really uh, diverse. And I feel like artists that massage therapists are, they're not expanding the palette and showing the clients what the art has potential to do. It's not just table cream glide and nudity. You can, you can right. vary this in a myriad ways. So for instance, in your area, because the massage and massage culture in New York uh, are you in upstate New York? Yeah, I'm in the uh, Buffalo area, about okay. an hour outside of Buffalo. Yeah, so you're in an upstate, you know, New York area. So massage culture is like different from place to place. This is from my experience traveling. If I go to Atlanta, it's different than Utah, and it's different than Washington State. It's different than Florida. I see this again and again. Are there any stretch labs or stretch zones in upstate New York? I think there might be one in Buffalo, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Yeah, because massage therapists have told me repeatedly that that business formula, they're like, there's no way. That'll never work. And I'm like, there are stretch labs and stretch zones all over the United States. And as far as I can tell, they use no cream, they use no oil, and the people are completely clothed. And they do like 20-minute sessions. And it works. The, the, the people come in, the, the business seems, I mean, it was hurt by the pandemic, just like anything is. But right. that was the real estate that I kept trying to get massage therapists to take. And they kept saying, but my clients want massage. In other words, they, they, they looked at my work as not the same, but they wouldn't pick it up and do it. And then they allowed people without licenses to storm in and just take up all of this real estate. There's proof of concept that the clients want stretch. Now therapists are going to Facebook groups and they're looking for stretch routines. And when I talk to them and go, hey, I've, I've got this subscription service at $7 a month. I've recorded every class since 2017. They're like, uh, no offense, Rob, but time massage just isn't my style. And I go, what? Like, <laughs> what? like I'm told what I teach isn't even time massage. And then it starts these weird, like, brand-related issues. Because if I call it time massage, they think it's the same as everybody else's time massage. And I don't think that's the case. Yeah, I think part of the problem is, at least with the massage industry, is there's so many, uh, it's like a modality empire, you know? So someone needs that name to hang their head on, to identify with. And next level so pain relief. You're not doing myofascial release, or you're not doing yeah. time massage. The, what do you do? The next level pain relief is the brand and fire that I will die on. And I have massage therapists say, I don't like the name. I'm like, I don't care. Next. <laughs> I think that's a great name. Well, it, long term, the verbiage becomes, listen, do you want to do massage or do you want to be a next level pain relief specialist? Ooh. Do you want to be certified? Ooh. Would you like inexpensive training from an educator that's willing to stream to you for four cameras and show you how? Ooh, there's, there's benefit there. It's not for everybody. But I Correct. think when it comes to the public, this is me as an educator. 
I've had very little problem with clients. Very little. And in fact, right now, I'm, I'm slowly reopening my practice to see clients again. I'm going to have to figure out uh, between, I have multiple streams of revenue, right? Like I'm teaching, I'm teaching online, I'm doing apprenticeships, I'm seeing clients. Like I'm trying to balance like in-person and online particularly. Because I got right. I to I pay rent. I got I bills, you know, just like everybody else. I need to eat. <laughs> so I'm trying to balance that. And the clients, in my case, were never really the problem. The clients, if anything, the money and revenue I built from the clients is how I bought the cameras and website and materials and made workbooks and DVDs and all the other stuff. And then I had additional supplemental income because of classes and the stuff I was doing. The clients would freak out. They're like, dude, this shit is amazing. Why is this not everywhere? Right. And I said, I'm, I'm teaching, but massage therapists tell me it's not massage. And they would like, oh, are you serious? And I go, yes. I can't make an industry change. I can only present options and then just continue to work with the students, which I've done in Austin for 12 years. Yeah. And a lot of people just don't like change, especially once they feel like, uh, I'm trying to think of a proper way to word it. I guess once you like identify so much with the core concepts you've learned in like basic massage school, it's really hard to let go of that because you identify with so much as like part of who you are. Yes. And I'm, I'm a fierce, fierce critic. Uh, I set myself up for a lot of, I don't know if it's alcoholism or what do they call those? What, what, do, you, what do you get? Get those things in your y'all ulcers. Alcoholism or ulcers is, is what I think I'm going towards. Because that tribalism where like I'm a massage therapist, I'm licensed. That tribalism in my world is holding massage therapists back. Right. Clients, I mean, it's a lot like uh, people, myofascial release too. Like so many people like identifying or so deeply enrooted into that they can't see benefits from any other type of body work. Or, you know, a lot of uh, what I've learned and realized about Myofascia actually came from all of Walt Fitz following him and his videos and stuff he shares on Facebook. Yeah. I mean, if you look at my work from the outside, and I had to have this conversation with Jennifer Brooks because she's teaching my curriculum in Washington State. And she was like, Robert, but it's not really Thai. Like she was complaining about this. And I go, Jennifer, listen, I'm going to make a graphic and an artist is going to draw a rendition of a seed in the ground. And this seed is going to say Thai massage and yoga. And then out of that seed comes a sprout and the sprout comes out into the sunlight and a beautiful flower comes out with petals on it. And it says next level pain relief. And she went, oh. And I'm like, is this not obvious? Like, I never left Thai massage behind. It just became another limiting box. And I'm like, squash tribalism. I don't have any interest at all. Humans or homo sapiens, sapiens, we share the same anatomy and physiology. It works across cultures. Yes, right. I want to pay homage to the Thai people and the fact that they gave me this gift, but I'm not interested in limitations. Yes, I love yoga and that it came from the Indian subcontinent and I want to appreciate these gifts. But what happens when you fuse them? 
and you push forward as a manual therapist in America. Brand. The more I work on that, again, for clients, it was like, listen, you have a, you have a problem with upper back pain? Yeah, I'm going to help you. I get no complaints from clients. They're like, dude, this shit is, this is, dude, this is three times as effective as massage. They're like, this shit is amazing. The, the, the buck, the stopping point was the massage therapist. They're like, I don't, like that sort of thing. Like I had a conversation with a cook about this recently. I'm like, why is it when you work in a kitchen, one cook, and there are egos in a kitchen, but like one cook can come over and show you how to do something and like the other cook will just adapt it. Because that's what massage, that's what I'm doing with a massage therapist. I'm coming in as a cook and going, hey, we could do it this way. Like it, it'll make, make it easier to make the brine or easier to do this or that. And the, 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 the very quick answer that we got to is we think that core curriculum and the fact that the students are trained in a certain way, which I'm breaking. And that sort of brainwashing that happens, that sort of like fixated thing. When like, no, we, we, but we learned in school to do it this way. And I'm like, right. yeah, but we have new stuff now. So like, you, you can't put pressure on the femoral artery. And I go, well, we're putting pressure on the adductors. And when we apply very broad pressure from tools that you don't have in massage school over the adductors, as a secondary thing, there is compression to the femoral artery. But it's not with an elbow. It's not sharp. <laughs> this doesn't harm people. And it's very safe when it's used effectively on certain clients who are having certain issues. Even when I say it in such a mild-mannered way, most massage therapists are still like, I don't know, this, this guy's weird. He's all over the internet. He's, he's talking about stuff that we didn't, we, didn't, we didn't learn this in school. This is dangerous. And I'm like, if it was dangerous, there would be dead bodies outside my studio. <laughs> right. So... The, the questioning things, I'm really just skirting around the edges of the industry, trying to find the students that want to do something different. In my experience, either at the spa or in private practice, you have to pick up your phone and run out and show them what you do and show them why it's more effective and show them how you work on upper back and neck pain, how you address lower back pain and become a rock star in your community. Now. Right. The more people know you, you will get hate mail. And I get plenty of it. I've worked in this industry for 20 years and people are angry about what I'm teaching. And I go, why? And it's like, fundamentally, even in a, a very, I'm in a blue city in a very red state. Aust keep Austin weird. Austin <laughs> is not weird. Austin is completely middle of the road suburbs. Now, Austin is very progressive for Texas, but right. this is not New York City and this is not San Francisco. I have been teaching what I do for 12 years in a city with 1.6 million people. How many mat-based facilities exist in Austin after me teaching for 12 years in person here? I'm going to guess maybe a handful. Zero? Now... That's a facility like the one you work at. Now, right. how many facilities allow mat-based work? Maybe, maybe, Al allow it, maybe. Then how many students in private practice are, are doing what I teach? Maybe, maybe. 
When you have four practitioners, including me, in a city of 1.6 million people, we're not even making a dent. Right. I got a lot of work to do. And that's an uphill battle for you, that's for sure. Like I've even tried, you know, showing up, showing other therapists things I've picked up just from the vault or watching your courses, and most of them are like, "Oh, there's no way I'm doing that." Like something as simple as just resting someone's neck on your forearm and using a little bit of pressure on the forehead. So why? And this is the thing. So describe, you know, because you got what I think you're saying is they're on the table supine. You're putting your yeah. forearm so that their neck is over your forearm and then you're holding their forehead to like pull them back into your forearm? Yeah, just a little bit of pressure. Not and, and the massage therapist won't do that? Nope. Why? They don't say why. They're just like, no, I'm not doing that. Like, they think it's too much pressure. They think, they feel, I think just because they're trained that the neck is such a delicate flower. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like when a drunk driver ran into the car I was in and probably, you know, tore ligaments or completely overstretched ligaments in my cervical spine that caused me, you know, and this is a car like I can still hear the car out of my left ear. I can hear the engine rev just before the impact where it knocked the car off the road and we wanted some trees. Yes, necks are more delicate and you do have to be careful of the carotid artery, but they're making... Uh, Kristen, Kristen was teaching class and she's like, yeah, they, they told us in school not to use a forearm or elbow in the neck. And I was like, whoa, 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 what? Because I didn't go to school locally. I'm like, are you serious? And she's like, yeah, we, we were told not to use the forearm or, or elbow in the neck. And I'm like, what the fuck? What are you? No wonder the yeah, yeah, nervous hands are killing them. This is not, what is this? What is this shit? If I need to, I'll put a knee on somebody's neck. Yeah. And that doesn't freak me out. Now, if people see it in a video on my YouTube, they're like, you, this isn't safe. And I'm like, what's not safe? They're like, you're occluding their carotid artery. I'm like, no, the carotid artery is in the front. My knee is in the posterior. Yeah. And then if I say compression, people are like, you know, like I'm talking about pounds per square inch. I go, listen. My knee is an elbow on steroids. It's a bigger, broader structure. When I put a knee in my neck, I'm grabbing probably half of my neck. It covering more real estate. Half of the skin here. It's big and broad. Like when students are in class, I never hear these techniques aren't effective. I never hear that. What I hear is, I don't understand. This isn't massage. And I go, great. If it's not massage, we don't need licenses in all 50 states. <laughs> now, let's get back. And they're like, what? What do you mean we don't need licenses? I'm like, well, it's not massage. You just said it's not massage. A next level pain relief session isn't massage. Sounds like freedom to me. I teach from four cameras on the internet. Let's go. And they're like, what? 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 I'm like, listen. I've been teaching in Austin for 12 years. This shit is not a secret. I have 1,800 videos on my, web, on my YouTube channel. 
there's 800 hours on my classroom instruction where I've recorded everything since 2017 and we put suspension inside the vault because students were bitching for years that they wanted suspension. I've given it to them. How many of the subscribers, the $7 a month Reboot Insiders Club subscribers, how many of those subscribers have set up suspension? I'm going to guess probably zero. Ding, 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 ding. To my knowledge. And the deal is, it's fine. The students are just wherever they are, and, and I'll keep working at it. But it's not that I'm not working hard and putting it out there. I went and taught a class just recently in Fort Worth, and I'm not teasing the students if they see this, uh, the students in the class, by the way. The students in Fort Worth, Dee Dee is a friend and colleague. I was actually having a conversation with myself because I don't remember how Dee Dee and I met specifically. But anyway. Uh, Dee Dee has been using what I've taught her, like, and basically Dee is one of those students where I just gave her permission and then she just went crazy. She was like, oh, Robert just allowed me to use my legs and feet and break all the rules. So she goes and does the stuff. I go to the class because she's talked to the owner. I'm going to the spa. I go in and talk with them and I say, hey guys, there's six students, not include Dee Dee. I go, what are you guys having problems with because you're massage therapists? And they're like, oh, all of them, all six of them, oh, our hands and wrists. And I go, Dee Dee, how are your hands and wrists? And she's like, oh, they don't bother me at all. <laughs> and I go, come on. And we work on hands and wrists first. Probably 90 minutes, give and receive. And they're like, oh my, oh my God. This this is amazing. Oh my, I can't believe how much better it feels. Because I have to address their pain points first, and then we continue showing them techniques they can use on the clients. Now, they're fortunate because they have DD there to be able to continue to ask DD questions. And right. DD was explaining to them the process that she's gone through and how she's worked with the clients and why her hands don't hurt because she's been using the techniques. But in my experience, the therapist kind of if without DD, they seem to slowly revert back to the standard sort of effleurage session because they always think, I have to give the clients what they want. And I like, mm, to me, it was like, they'll go see somebody else. Do you have pain? I, I would do this in the chiropractor's office. I'd say, listen, do you want a massage or do you want to get better? I, well, I want to get better. Cool. Take off your shoes. Come lay down on this table. I want to move you around. Once I helped them, they went out drooling, and they're like, the, the guy, the guy with the long hair, whatever that shit is, dude, I have to have another session. That shit is amazing. And my boss let me do whatever I wanted to do after 70% of my practice at that chiropractor's office was that. The chiropractor right. and the other therapists were like, listen, we don't even know what the fuck Robert does anymore. We just know that he helps people in chronic pain. And the chiropractor would pull me aside and go, Robert, these people are so easy to adjust after you work on them. They're like, their spines are like butter. And it's like, I'm not told that the work is ineffective. I'm not told that it's not good for chronic pain. I'm not told it's not good for mobility. It's just that I changed the formula enough and broke the rules enough so that massage therapists are saying, but but it's not massage. Yeah, I don't know. Pretty much any techniques that you teach that I've used, people are like, I've never had this done before. 
But for you, it sounds like it's not in their world like completely beneficial. Like what I heard was a little more complaint that it's not quite massage, not, oh my God, it helps me so much with pain. Right. And as an educator, I'm trying to figure out what that gap is. Uh, I mean, probably a big part of it is a lot of the complaints were at my old job that I left a little bit over a year ago. And that was a resort spa. So it was generally just one-time clients coming in, you know, resort vacation. Oh, okay. And and that gives me some context because if they're coming in for that relaxation session and a resort setting, like they're not... That's to me. That's a different setting than the chiropractor's office I just talked about. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah people weren't coming there for most of the time. People would still have you know your general complaints, but it was yeah. more of a they just wanted to come in and relax or blow off steam type of deal. Yeah. Do you have a uh, Do you have a website at all? I actually just canceled my website subscription. Okay. Set to renew because for me at this point I'm like there's no reason to renew it. Yeah, if, if, if you were going to work in private practice and you're trying to promote, I would literally have Kevin Wood, com or whatever. And then the tagline is like, do you want a massage or do you want to get better? And then there's video of you talking about your practice, showing you working on people in chronic pain. You're using your phone. I can even help you with video editing if you need help. And then you, you put that together to like just spearhead that market. Right. I mean, just no apologies. Like, I don't go in and talk to massage therapists and be like, well, you know, these are going to be a little different techniques than what you learn in school. You know, and yeah, yeah. I'm like, no, here. You got a problem? Here's a solution. Your hands hurt? Here's a solution. You're working too hard? Here's a solution. We finished two days of those students, and I'm like, how do your hands feel? And they're like, oh, they're, they feel amazing. I'm like, you worked for two days. Do you feel like you worked hard? And they're like, no, not at all. But that class fundamentally is not that different from what I've been teaching in Austin for 12 years. Right. Honestly, probably the hardest part is not reverting back to the old habits and patterns that you're used to if you've been doing massage for a while. Like, I feel like uh, you probably have better luck getting people fresh out of school to be able to Here's here's why I'm inordinately biased. If I had a preference, I would get them before they go to school. Right. That that way you get them before they have any of the training. No. And this is the thing. And I I talk about this marketing stuff constantly because this, ooh, it's going to cause alcoholism, an ulcer, or both. Because the problem is... When I start saying that I have to deprogram massage therapists from core curriculum, it does not win me friends with school owners. I had a school owner in Arkansas, Conway, just now. We talked to Michelle, and she's like, I don't understand. Why are, like, you did the time massage jam. Like, why are the the schools pushing back? And I'm like, Michelle, I teach from four camera angles on the internet. And my messaging is not, do what the school told you. I go, listen, you know this table? Fuck this. Let's get rid of it. Let's have a no table, no cream, no glide, no nudity practice that the students don't recognize as massage. That is disruptive, and people do not like change. 
I think right. that school owners in many instances look at me as a threat. Do they want me to sit down and talk about TikTok for an hour and how students can build practices based on social media marketing and work for themselves? That's not what core curriculum is designed to do. My very existence as an educator calls into question everything they're taught in massage school. That change is pivotal enough that a lot of people don't, this is, this is making me uncomfortable. Right. That's all, it's just change. Yeah. See, for me as a therapist, that's never been a problem. I'm like, oh, this is something new, let's try it, see if it works. Yeah. Like, I, I don't give a shit if it fits in a little box or someone's ideal view. Yeah. Well, it has to be, it has to be packaged. I mean, Austin massage therapists were like, dude, clients won't pay for three-hour sessions. And I'm like, uh, are you sure? Because uh, I don't know how to tell you guys this, but I'm charging $600 a session now. And they're like, oh, my, our dude, are you fucking for real? And I go, I don't get every client. And they're like, well, what if somebody can't afford it? And I'm like, well, if somebody calls me and we have a conversation and they're having a specific issue, I'll make it work for them. And they're like, oh, so you'll give a discount. I'm like, well, sometimes. Like, I'm not, I've never turned anyone away because of the cost or fee. Like, somebody's right. in pain. I was in a car accident. I, I created what I do and manifested what I did and studied what I did and practiced what I did because I was in pain and couldn't afford help. So I, I have a deep resonance for that. But... I've also got to get paid for my time and figure out when I'm going to have time to do a podcast with Kevin, <laughs> which means getting paid. You know, that, that, that's another thing that's like such a dirty word in the massage industry. It's discount. Discount. So what? Like you see, see so many therapists scream about how you never discount, but then turn around and say, oh, add 15 minutes. You're giving a fucking discount. Well, there's a, there's a reciprocity and an exchange. Um, I talk about this a lot for therapists because I'm very much in promotion of them putting their phone on a tripod, pressing Facebook Live, and then just like, hey, here's my client, Joanne. I'm going to show you how I work on the neck real quick. And this is just five minutes out of the session. That video and its promotional quality is worth me giving $20 off. Right. I don't think therapists see it that way, but... Yeah, I'm giving a discount, but I'm getting something for that exchange. Now, if, oh, people, yeah, you're, if you're, get, you're getting value out of that yeah. discount, I mean, and students do this to me all the time. Like, um, I had a guy come in for a private training, and it was like he was going to pay so much, and he's like, "Do you give a discount for subscribers? In other words, the seven dollars a month subscription?" And I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> like what?" Like, you pay seven bucks a month. Like, I mean, and the thing thing is... I I don't even notice the subscription fee. I don't think I've looked at the vault in probably a year and a half. And and here's the thing. That's been a massive debate inside my practice. They're like, you have to raise the subscription fee enough to where it hurts the therapist, like fiscally. And I'm like, "Mm, how about no? How about no? And they're like, but I don't understand. You're just giving everything away for free. And it's like, it's not free. It's $7 a month. And they're like, what? But, and I'm like, listen, it's a low barrier of entry offer. It scales globally. I don't want to go through the specific math, but let's put it this way. I've thought about doing things where I said, okay, listen, 
it's going to remain $7 a month for the first thousand subscribers. We have like 450-ish. We dropped during COVID a little bit. If I get a thousand subscribers, I'm going to make $84,000 a year from the subscription alone. Right. It's, a, it's like trying to explain digital business in a brick and mortar industry is like, there's no fucking way. It's never yeah. like, people are very like, what? I don't understand. You're just giving it away. And it's like, yes. And I'm also charging for it. And it's $600 a session and it's $800 a day for day training privately with me. And I raise the fees on my group cl classes in person. And now I'm not only doing in-person apprenticeships, I'm doing online apprenticeships. And a lot of time, like if someone buys just the basic subscription to the vault, they're going to see something and be like, hey, let me go buy that whole class. Like I actually bought the whole uh, map based class just based off what I saw in the vault. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like there are other CE classes and workbooks and DVDs and, you know, like you, you talk with me and you're like, hey, I want to do the apprenticeship. Great. The apprenticeship online is $250 a month. But I'm working with you two hours, you know, using my cameras to flip camera angles inside Zoom to do interactive training where you take Joanne. And I literally talk to Joanne and go, oh, hey, I think she's having a problem with her scalenes. And then I show you how to work on it live and put anatomy on screen. That, right. is, that is revolutionary use of technology in the massage industry. Currently, it's my practice and what I'm doing is other than being hated by the people who pay attention. It's almost being completely ignored. Does anybody come and like pat me on the back for innovating an industry and innovating education and pushing for it? No, they're like, we don't like what he's doing. And I'm like, so you don't like that I help people? Like you can't learn online, you have to touch people. But, okay, hold on, let me, let me, let me go back to this. So uh, remember I talked about a thousand subscribers. If I get a thousand subscribers, uh, my business is going to drastically change. I can turn on my camera two hours a day, five days a week, 52 weeks a year, and produce another 500 hours of footage every year. Right. And I don't have to charge anything for it. Yeah. 10,000 10, students can work with me live. And they're like, what? Like they form little satellite groups. Kevin has 10 other therapists on, you know, on, in his studio with a big screen TV. You're all working together, giving hands-on feedback while I teach live, online, interactively. In fact, Kevin, if you have a question, you can just call me and ask a question. And they're like, what? But, 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 but what? <laughs> the internet has no laws, rules, right? Like, it's very wide open. The problem is I'm having to train therapists to learn that way. So now, this is me, Maybe we talk about change, people are afraid of change. Not only right. is the work I teach radically weird, but now he's, he's teaching it on the internet and raving about online education. It's gonna take years of work and labor for me to even remotely make a dent in the massage industry. Massage Entrepreneurs has 15,000 massage therapists in it. I'm the admin, and mostly my posts completely ignored. And then you'll see a question about cream or oil get 500 replies. What kind of sheets do you use? Because that's the most entrepreneurial question I've ever seen for an entrepreneur's group. I'm like, go to Amazon, select the sheets that are cheapest, and buy them. Like, what's the problem? Like, 
It's like 99% of clients aren't going to give a shit about what your sheets are anyway. But massage therapists as a tribal group, and this is massage therapists, not the public, by the way. Massage therapists value themselves based on the kind of table they have, based on the kind of sheets they use, based on the kinds of techniques they use and whether they have certifications. Basically, they're playing a status and prestige game based on those things. It's like, well, I'm a boss, babe, because I have this kind of website with this kind of scheduling software with these kind of sheets and these kinds of creamer oils. Make sense? Yeah. And what I have to do is, I, I'm not lying to you. I had a class and I talked about next level pain relief and this guy goes, I don't like it. And I go, really, why don't you like? He's like, I don't like the name. It doesn't tell people what you do. And I go, yeah. So next level pain relief. I'm pretty sure pain relief is telling people exactly what you do, but. Well, the question is then how? And it's like that empty space that question mark? Oh, beginner's mind. What is next level pain relief? Oh, it's a manual therapy system that's met-based using suspension so that we can send a unique stimulus into a client's nervous system by stretching skin to in introduce pain relief in the client's nervous system. Our ultimate goal is relaxation, pain relief, and increased mobility. So, something like that. I didn't say it very well, but you, you're working on your elevator speech. This same student who said, I don't, next level pain relief, I don't like it. And I said, what if I could make you an NLPR certified provider? He was like, ooh, I like that. And I literally <laughs> sat back, Kevin, and was like, like, why the acronym? Why does NLPR, why does that acronym, that alphabet suit, like, what? Like, I don't know. Because I, I look at marketing and packaging differently, but what he doesn't understand is I'm testing the audience. I'm testing the audience. And what I'm trying to build is the Nike in the massage and body work. Where it's right. like, no, 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 you don't understand. There's massage therapists, and then there's whatever the fuck these people are doing. This shit is like, and that, that's how you win. Because I don't need everybody. I just need enough. Yeah. Yeah. Like, once you get more people, the momentum kind of starts to build, too. Yeah. We're not, we're not like, a snowball rolling down a hill yet. Not even close. I'm, I'm still Sisyphus. I'm pushing that shit up. <laughs> it's like, oh, a website got hacked. Oh, my God. I'm teaching from four camera angles. They tell me they can't learn online. Oh, odd. Like, I have... Well, we're, we're teaching online for seven bucks. And it's like, well, we haven't watched video. Oh, like... Just keep, I'm like, Robert, just don't have an ulcer. Don't, don't engage in too much alcoholism. Just back off. <laughs> so is there anything else in your practice like I can help you with? Since you got me here live? I mean, honestly, the biggest thing was for a while I was doing like daily posts on Facebook on my business page, stuff like that. And it seemed like it garnered more interest from other massage therapists than it did from any clients. Like I did like a hundred days of like anatomy posts where I covered a different muscle and yeah. you know different ailments that could be related to that muscle type of thing. Um social media and I'm having a problem with this as well. A lot of social media is entertainment. And this includes massage therapists. 
I'm an educator. I love giving information. People don't give a shit about information. They're flooded. Right. With they have access to Google. They have more access to more information than any person that's ever lived. Now, can you deliver the information in a way that's funny, sexy, memorable, thematic, pulls on their emotions? Um, it's entertainment. Right. The, the real spot, if I could hit it, is edutainment. If you can, yeah, if, if you can figure that out. Time. Yeah, if you can figure that out. Like everything you told me, Kevin Wood, you have two kids, you said? Yeah. Two kids, post-divorce, uh, was it child, not custody, it's uh, child support. Like that's part of your story. If you, if you put that on display in the right way and show the struggles of an, a massage therapist entrepreneur trying to build something and do something different to help your community and talking about what you do and giving away sessions, there's entertainment there, but I haven't hit, I haven't hit what I think of as the formula. Right. Like I'm, I'm doing poker videos and like liquor tastings and coffee reviews to try to diversify my content to see what people are interested in. And I feel like eventually I'll, I'll tap a vein, event almost on accident, because I can't logically figure it out, like what, what people are interested in. Right. But if you garner enough attention, you get the 1% that want what you do. Yeah. And, and see, got, the thing is, if I, if I do end up building like a home studio, I, I want to skip the table. I want to go just straight to Matt and try to build a home practice based on just doing map work. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's difficult. It's, I don't want to make it sound like it's easy. It's a lot of work. And in my experience, part of the holdup, I was having a conversation with another educator about this because I think the bulk of the industry, even post COVID is probably even more likely the bulk of the industry. In my experience, they're not in private practice. Right. And if you're not in private practice, you can't really do what I teach. There is no facility in the United States that currently that's going to allow you to teach the, the ends of what I do. Not going to happen. Yeah. Because everybody's Pace, worried about covering their own ass. Well, it, it's, too, it's too new. It's too different. It's too weird. This isn't massage. The, the owners will say this. The people who are going to hire, like, if you're doing table-based sessions in a massage facility, and then some wackaloon comes in and says, hey, we're gonna do three-hour mat-based sessions with suspension on clothed clients. They're like, get the fuck out of here. This isn't massage. And I go, sounds like you don't want a more effective service. Now, that's very ballsy for me to say, but I think it holds. And when you're in private practice, I'm not getting students, again, I'm not getting students who are saying it's ineffective but they understand that it's different enough of a service that they're like, oh. So it's not just delivering the service, I have to market it, package it, sell it, talk to people, communicate, like I have to do all this additional work. Now, if I get the first thousand students to do it and really build mat-based practices, it would be like an atom bomb dropped on the massage industry. Massage therapists right. would start to listen and would probably pile into the subscription service in droves because they want to be like Diane. They want to be like Joan. They've seen right. other massage therapists do it. Right now, there's just some weird guy in Austin. Doesn't get a lot of attention. 
like even having Kristen and Danielle teach, the students are responding very differently to Kristen and Danielle teaching classes than they do to me. There's Funny more, how that works. There's more proof of concept when more people are doing it. When enough massage therapists in private practice are kicking ass and taking names, eventually, this is what people understand about brick and mortar business. They're like, people ask me this, therapists all the time. They're like, why don't you have a brick and mortar business? And I'm like, the worst thing I could have ever done would have been to have opened a brick and mortar two months before COVID hit. Right. They don't understand that I'm going to use all the online training as infrastructure to build the training materials and supplemental materials for the franchise. <laughs> oh, I see it. But the thing is, everybody went brick and mortar, brick and mortar, because that's what everybody does. And I was like, global distribution for pennies on the dollar. How about this? How about this? And they went, no, brick and mortar. We only do brick and mortar. And I'm like, how about this? I know you don't see it yet, but what's going to happen? <clears throat> People argued with me about suspension. They're like, you can't release suspension in the subscription service. And I'm like, why not? Finally, I got to why not? I literally took a student, she was like, nope, it can only be sold through a high-priced, expensive, like thousands of dollars course. And I go, no, I'll do that as well. But like, why not just give it to them? And she's like, but, but people are going to steal it. I go, okay, so I've got uh, table-based stuff, are the students doing it? Oh. I've got mat-based stuff, are the students doing it? Oh. I've got yoga therapy-related stuff, are the students doing it? No. I'm showing them how to build the business and do social media. Are they doing it? No. So if they're not doing all of that, why do you think they're going to take suspension? And she's like, God damn it. Because <laughs> here's what I've realized. I can give away the information almost completely free. And 99% of massage therapists are so lazy, they'll never do anything. Right. Not my problem. But the 1% who do... <laughs> And the problem is, I've almost had podcasts and, and like talking to my camera where I'm like, will you please, if you own a massage facility in the United States, you, you can literally, I, I don't want to know about it, but just set up one account for your thousand therapists and just let them use the same login and password. Just steal my shit, would you please just steal it? Somebody, somewhere, just use the shit so I can show proof of concept. Because if I, if I turn over one facility into, you know, a behemoth, other facilities, other speculators, other investors, other therapists are going to want to do it. Yeah, it's going to show like, wow, this really works. Like, like business mindset, that makes just complete sense. Well, th there's, a, there's a thing because a lot of the massage industry, particularly in massage education, it's a secret. You want the secret techniques? Take out your credit card. You want the secret techniques? They're provided by American Express. Do you want the <laughs> secret techniques? They only come with Discover Card and Visa. And I go, right. fuck it, $7 a month, let's go. Direct to consumer, D to C. And they go, but, but we can't learn online. And I go, some people can't. Really no different than learning in person. Well, I mean, the thing is, I still provide in-person classes, in-person trainings, in-person private trainings. Like, people can hire me, you know. It's like, I guarantee you, Kevin, uh, let's see, state of New York, the next level pain relief, you don't need a massage license. If you contact me and say, hey, I want you to come train me, and I'm like, how much? And, and we lay out a fee, I just get a flight and fly up to New York. 
Right. It's fine. It's fine. Like, I still teach in person, but what's happening is I keep raising in-person class fees, and the students are like, oh, this is expensive. Like, subscription service, $7 a month. Now, here's the deal. Do students want me to teach more students in an in-person class or less students? Less. Pay me. You want six students per class? Pay me. Happy to do it. Happy to do it. Yeah. Makes complete sense. $7 a month. Oh. What do you think is the the hold up in your your business? Do you think it's the social media and the promotion? Uh, probably. Like right now with just everything shut down, I haven't been doing anything. Yeah. Probably the biggest hang up would just be Honestly, just getting my name out there was the hang-up in my business before. Because I'd like, I was in a small town, and I'd run into people. And they'd be like, oh, you do massage out of the salon? I'm like, yeah, I've been there three years, and people still hadn't heard of me in a town of like 5,000 people. Yeah. The, the promotion part, the, the marketing that you do, not advertising. Marketing is like free stuff, typically. Uh, the marketing that you do can make or break the business. Especially when it's a very in, interpersonal business like we have. Right. But again, I think the, the problem is the massage therapists have an employee's mindset where they're worried that they won't make anything for the time they put in. Like, see, that doesn't bother me. I'm willing to work for free to build something. I don't care about that. Yeah, I tell, like, you, you want to do mat-based. That's what I heard. Private practice. I heard so you want to build that. Uh, go to a Brazilian jiu-jitsu studio. Put down a mat. Just give away 20, 30-minute sessions. Give away eight of them. Set up your I phone. I don't know if I have one of those around here. I'll have to do some Brazilian research. Brazilian jiu-jitsu, martial arts, hockey players, whatever it is in your area that, that people, you know, athletics, people in pain, um, whoever your target market clients are. Right. If you if you did eight hours and you just got one, it would probably pay for it long term if that person rebooks. Yeah. Lather, rinse, repeat. And for me, it's not just doing the work. It's doing the work, taking out the camera, recording the work, putting the work online, cutting it up for social media. It's just like this podcast. I'll take clips from this podcast and put it on social media. Right. People are confused. They, they've got it, I think, backwards. They're like, I don't understand. Why does Robert, like, he doesn't get paid from this podcast. And it's like, get clients. They trust me more because I have a podcast. Well, of course he's a professional. He has a podcast. He has a podcast. His face is on YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. And they go, I, like, but I don't understand. I like, how is he getting clients? And I'm like... There's 1,800 videos on YouTube. It's owned by Google. If, if they're looking for time massage in Austin, I guarantee you I come up at least on the second page, if not the first. Right. You don't have to that's get every just, client. No, that's probably just organic, too. You probably didn't really do anything extra yeah. for the... Yeah. And, 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 and that's the thing. I'm, I'm struggling, right? Online, in person. 
I'm, I'm having a debate right now about whether I should be running ads for clients or not. I'm, I'm not quite sure. I, I don't know what I want to do yet. I'm also onboarding the massage therapist for apprenticeship, so I have to make sure, like, energetically and then time-wise, do I have time or how many clients can I see consistently without it causing a problem? Sounds like you need a personal assistant. I need to make more money. <laughs> I got to make more money to be able to delegate like that. So anything else in particular you're having uh, challenges with that I can help you? Uh, nothing I can think of off the top of my head. There's nothing uh, like technique related. And I kind of, one of the first videos I ever saw yours, you, I remember you saying that the body work was kind of like jazz, I think it was. You know, you take the bass notes and then you just do your own thing and kind of follow it. And yeah, that's kind of how I progressed. I didn't try to find a sequence to follow or anything like that. Yeah. And I feel like that's more effective for me. So as far as the actual work, I don't really have any questions. Or uh, business building. I mean, since you have me here live, is there anything you're just dying to ask? Nothing that's uh, popping off the top of my head. Yeah. Well, good. Uh, we just went uh, about an hour and nine minutes. You want to go ahead and shut it down? Yeah, sure. We can go ahead. Okay. And then you said your social media, you don't have like a lot of places where people can contact you online. You don't have like an Instagram or anything? No, the only place I'm on right now is Facebook, actually. Yeah. And then that's just under your name, Kevin Wood? Yeah. Yeah, they can find you on. Well, cool. Listen, yeah. thank you so much for doing the podcast with me. If you have any questions in the future, feel free to write in the Reboot Insiders Club. I answer questions there. So if something All comes right. up, let me know. All right. Thanks for the invite. Oh, you're welcome. Listen, thank you so much. And uh, you guys, uh, this will be up on uh, Anchor, Spotify, other podcast-related stuff. I'm going to upload this probably into YouTube in addition to making some clips for Instagram and other social media. But, Kevin, thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Rob.